Podcast, episode 55. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins. I haven't done podcasts for ages, and so I need to do one for therapy. Um, I don't actually really have anything planned to talk about. Um, just really, really just need to do this. There's just always so incredibly much going on. Um, I've got some news. I haven't actually told a lot of people, I haven't podcasted about this, but I'm actually working in a cattery. A cattery is not a place where they breed uh, cats for sale. It's a place where it's at a vet, it's at a vet, and when people go on holiday, they leave their cats at the vet, um, and they have a boarding house for them. And I'm the person who cleans the cages and takes care of their food and stuff like that. So it's the kind of the same sort of thing you'd be doing at the SPCA, except I get paid for it. It's my job. I don't. Nobody gets killed there, um, except for euthanasia, obviously, when there's a, like a sick or dying animal. And I don't have anything to do with that. The vets do that. I try to not even think about that. And um, other than that, you know, I am working in this, um, you know, in this field, and I, I appreciate the job, and I love being around the cats. I'm learning a lot. I got bitten, you know, and had to have antibiotics and all that, which wasn't nice because any medicine is not vegan because it's being tested on animals, and it was a choice between my health or using these antibiotics and a tetanus shot, and. Um, I was quite infected and I was quite ill. and So these are the side effects of working with, um, you know, animals. Um, cats are carnivores and they are hunters and they are very territorial and there are problems. Um, so I'm learning all kinds of things, um, you know, uh, learning how to give medicine to cats which I never knew how to do before. And it's all good knowledge because I do want to take care of animals. I wish I didn't have to consider that because I wish that uh, there was no uh, domestication, but there is. So anybody who, you know, thinks I'm being really hypocritical and welfareist because I'm <laughs> working with domestic animals um, doesn't really understand the concept of evolution. And, you know, it's been explained so many times. In fact, I just saw an email from somebody who was asking advice on a forum that I'm part of on animal emancipation. I just had a quick look there. And the person wrote and said, you know, criticizing Gary Francione, um, uh, the philosophy of abolition, this person was obviously a welfare, a proponent of welfare, and they said, you know, how hypocritical of him to call for an inter-domestication, but to have five dogs. I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. It really is. But that's okay. Um, you know, we have a moral obligation to take care of the animals that we are, that are in existence, because they are helpless in this species, this world. Um, and so, as evolutionists who recognize the moral personhood of animals, we recognize that we owe them we owe them as many as we can a life, you know, care, you know, protection from us, from our species. Doesn't take a genius, does not take a genius. Anyway, um, and so speaking of which, uh, well, I showed up to work on one Thursday afternoon, which was unusual. They just asked me to come in extra, and somebody had found a three hour, they reckon, approximately three hour old kitten by the side of the road. Nobody knows really what happened. I mean, um, there's any scenario. Um, most likely scenario, I would say, is that the mother was a feral cat, which is a, you know, an, a, a domestic cat breed, you know, a small cat, who is not living in, in a home, who is, is wild in the streets. They have a very tough life. Um, they're not, um, they reproduce, obviously. And maybe the mother was in the process of moving the kittens just after giving birth, and she was either frightened or something happened, and she dropped the kitten, and was was unable to go back and re retrieve the kitten. Maybe she had other kittens, you know, we really don't know. One of the people I work with was adamant that somebody just threw it away, she said. 
because that happens all the time as well. It's, um, I, I've worked there, I've worked at the Cattery for a little while, and um, there have been, since I've worked there, there were two little kittens that were just abandoned by people um, that somebody else took home and raised, and um, they were about two weeks old, I think, when they were found the street and I went for a job interview at another cattery because I actively looked for this job I wanted to clean cages at a cattery it's all I'm qualified to do <laughs> and I want to help animals um, I would love to volunteer my time at a sanctuary at the SPCA even I don't agree with the SPCA's killing of animals but unlike what people think you know we don't sort of take out our you know we don't take it out on the animals I mean we just don't I mean it drives me nuts um I don't blame the animals for the institution of domestication, so, you know, cleaning cages at a cattery is, um, is uh, helping those cats um, and uh, providing me with a job that, um, although is part of the institution of exploitation, oh, it's just hard to explain. Anyway, we don't you know, just because we don't promote welfare reform is because it doesn't work. It doesn't help animals. But actively taking care of animals helps them. And a shelter that's adopting out animals, I don't agree with killing of animals. And I really support Nathan Winograd's um, innovations in the, in the field of no-kill. He's doing wonderful work. I'm, my hat goes off to that guy. Um, you know, um, it's very different from working in a place where the animals are being bred for slaughter and where welfare reform means nothing. So I really hope that people can kind of figure that out. Um, abolitionist doesn't mean that you take it out on the animals and say, ah, die and suffer all you animals because I'm abolitionist. No, 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 no. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked with my um, recent frustration at reading this uh, email that somebody had posted. So anyway... Um, I'm going to be all over the place because I haven't done a podcast and I've been sort of, yeah, the reason I'm doing it is because, like I say, I, I do this because it really, really helps me to cope, you know. Um, so anyway, long story short, I, the girls had found this, or the jogger, there was somebody jogging. She saw this little, tiny, minuscule creature and she was a kitten that had just been born. They reckon she was about three hours old. She was frozen. She had not been near her mother for a while. Um, I understand that um, Jeffrey um, Coolwater, who's another really great advocate, and I really should have shouted him out a long time ago. There's just so many people. Jeffrey had mentioned that you know when you find when you see a very very young kitten, or generally kitten. I don't think there's a lot of feral dogs in New Zealand anyway. I don't even know if feral is the right word for dogs, but anyway, it's mostly cats. Um, perhaps the mother ha is in the process of moving them, and if you take the kitten, you might actually do more harm than good. It might be better to wait for the mother, follow the mother, and then maybe you can save the family, um, hopefully as in non-invasively as possible, sterilize the mother, and raise the, raise the family. Whereas if you take a kitten, it's very hard to keep a kitten alive or any animal alive because as I learned from learning about the horrors of the veal industry um, uh, newborn animals need colostrum and it's available in the mother's milk in the first 24 hours of their lives and that's where they get all their antibodies from and that's why they've started allowing calves that they're going to exploit for meat to drink their mother's milk for the first 24 hours if they're going to slaughter the calf immediately to get rennet or whatever they don't bother with that um, but so the only reason that any young male calf will be allowed to spend any time at all with his mother is because it will allow his exploitation of meat to be more economically beneficial. Okay? Um, I really wish people would get their head around the fact that as long as animals are property, as long as they're exploitable chattel property raised as products, then... There is no such thing as welfare. It just it's just it's just a pipe dream. Anyway, um, so I got this kitten. They they said to me, Liz, can you take her? She was about eight hours old when I when when because they they brought her in and she was still had her umbilical cord and she was covered in birth fluid and we don't really know if she got any colostrum. And they said, Liz, you know, please can you take her? 
And I said, sure. I mean, what were they going to say? Um, they said, it's a lot of work. And I said, I realize that um, I'm in a better position than most because I'm only going to school part-time and I'm only working part-time. Um, and I don't have a lot of responsibility. I only have one animal sharing my home. She's a fully grown cat and she's pretty independent <laughs> as far as a domesticated animal can be. And I don't have children and, you know, la la la. So they 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 rightfully um suggested that I would be perfect for the for the job of taking care of this kitten but they did very strongly warn me that she may die because we don't know if she got colostrum she's very delicate um it's very unusual for a you know there's just a strong chance that she wouldn't make it and they said just give it a go so she's now 2 weeks old today she seems to be quite strong and against better judgment well i mean i think she deserves a name after fighting this hard. My friend is Hungarian, she's an interpreter, and we were on our way to study. Ha ha ha. We never even did. And she mentions about her jebi. And I said, Your what? She said, My jebi. And I said, What does that mean? And she said, It means pocket sized. It's just slang for pocket sized. And I was I was with jebi because she goes everywhere with me because I can't leave her. She has to come everywhere with me because she's so young. She needs warmth and milk every two hours. Well, she needs warmth all the time. She needs milk every two hours. So I take her with me, which is not the best. I don't go very many places, so that's good. But this was just one day we were in the car, and I went to her house, and I've had her in her, you know, with her hot water bottle, and, you know, she's she's perfectly fine. And I just thought, well, you know, I know something that's pocket-sized, and that's how she got her name. And it's spelled Z-S-E-B-I, and it's pronounced Zebi. So any Hungarians listening will understand. Uh, everybody else, it's easy to pronounce. Um, so she's now two weeks old and um, I am very much in love with her and I really, really, you know, I just, uh, I hate domestication um, more than ever. And working at the cattery, I really hate domestication more than ever uh, because you should see these cats, they're absolutely miserable. And these are the lucky cats. They're the lucky cats. This is not to detract from the people that I work with or the facility itself as catteries go. It is an incredible facility. I'm very grateful that they gave me a job there. And they're very very good at what they do. They obviously all care about animals, um, you know, as most people do, uh, to the extent and to, in the way that most people do. And it's a very, 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 you know, well-run place. And, and um... You know, if my pet was sick, I would definitely take them. Now, interestingly enough, I post a lot of stuff where I'm like, we need to be vocal about veganism. We need to be vocal. A lot of it's a reminder to myself. I mean, I'm not... I hope that people, when people realize when I post that, it's a, it's a... You know, a lot of the stuff that I do is just self-motivation. Because, you know, we all need self-motivation. So... If I if I say something out loud, I'm kind of committing myself to do it as well. Um, so when I post something like, you know, we have to start talking about veganism more, it's because I want to, and I don't do it as much as I want to. I'm not saying that I do it that much. I'm not sort of trying to say to people, I do this and you need to do that. I'm like, we need to be doing this. Me too. So I don't do it as much as, I, as I'd like. And um, I hadn't told these people, well, that we really hadn't, you know... The people that I work with, they, we've really never talked about me or, or personal lives. I don't know any of their personal lives. I don't know if any of them are married or if they, any of them have kids. We just, you know, I just go there in the morning and I clean the cages. And um, they're a team who've been working together for a long time and they're a very closely knit team. So I was just kind of like, you know, and I'm not very experienced. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like I say, I've only ever had, under my personal responsibility, I've only ever cared for one cat. And she's never had to go to the, you know, to have any kind of medicine or hardly anything like that except for one time she had to have antibiotics. It was only when I started to bring her to New Zealand, when I decided to bring her to New Zealand, Buddha, that I actually had to do stuff. Because the cats in New York, they just stay in the apartments. They're very healthy. <laughs> and they... um they never have to get shots and they never have to get um, flea medicine or anything like that. You know, they're kind of in this sort of sterile, you know, environment in a way. They just can't go outside. You can't let them outside. It would be crazy. It would be suicide to let your, you know, it would be death probably. Very dangerous for them. So they're just kept inside. So now, um, you know, I'm at this place where there's all these animals and I have zero experience. And they knew that going in. I basically said, look, you know, I'm a student. I need a job. Um, I'm not, I'm very much happy to do manual labor 
and I said, I want to work in the service of animals. I consider it an honor to be working in the service of animals. I am honored to clean their poo and to empty their wee-wee. I'm honored to do that. It's part of my redemption, you know, because I still am plagued with horrific guilt. Um, and rather than martyr myself or turn violent or be aggressively rude to people or try to be a hypocrite and say that everybody who eats animals should die, I just want to work. I just want to be in the service of, of, of non-human animals as much as I can. And I recognize them as moral persons. And, um, you know, like I say, I've been bitten, you know, because a cat, we were cutting her claws because... Unfortunately, because there are these wildly territorial animals who are used to having their own house, their own houses, and their own backyards are crammed into this very beautiful and very large facility, but for cats it's really not that great, and so we have to clip the tips of the claws off to prevent corneal scratches and things like that. There's all kinds of neuroses and paranoia. I mean, anybody who promotes domestication, you know, just, you know... I really, really recommend trying to put yourself in their, in their point, in their, you know, in their world. You know, they really are treated like things. They're treated like ornaments that are fun to have around and that purr and that are cute. But when you want to go on holiday, it's like, oh, what are we going to do with this? Because you know, unlike other property and ornaments, they need food, they need care, they're not self-sufficient in the way that a vase, you know, you can go on holiday and leave your vase alone in the house for 10 years and your vase will be fine, you leave your cat or your dog alone in the house for a week and they will most likely die of dehydration and starvation because they are completely and utterly dependent on you for their lives, for their lives, forever, and when you're busy, you just drop them off at a, you know, at a cattery and they go crazy and they get neurotic and they're very, very miserable. And I really can relate to them and I really care about them in a very deep way. And I try to do my best to show that I really, I get it, guys. You know, I'm with you. I know what, you know, I understand, you know, I do my best anyway. So um, anyway, now I have Jebby, another carnivore. I would love to feed her vegan food. There's only one brand of vegan food available in New Zealand for cats, and I had no luck with it with Buddha, and um, it's like Sophie's choice, you know. If if Jebby doesn't thrive on vegan food, I will have to feed her non-vegan food. She's not a vegan, she's a carnivore. And that's my dilemma, that's my cross to bear, not hers. But it's certainly the animals that are being slaughtered so that we can have our domestic cats, it's definitely their, you know, I wouldn't even call it a cross to bear, it's their death, it's their suffering, so domestication is, is needs to stop, and the more time I spend around domesticated animals, and the more respect and admiration and love I have for them, the more I respect them, the more I realize that it's just, just, just wrong, um, you know, look, I mean, if, 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 if some cats were able to you know, if they, we're not saying that if they're if they go out and be feral, feral, and then they can live in a balance of nature, or something like that, well, we wouldn't want to interfere. The abolitionist point of view is that we leave the animals alone. We just leave them alone, man. But unfortunately, the domesticated animals, we don't have that luxury. They are our responsibility. It's our mess, and we need to clean that up. So anyway, enough. Enough about, that's my job. If anybody has any sort of comments on it or thinks I'm being, you know, hypocritical or something like that to work in a cattery, please, you know, maybe we can, you can email me if you like and I would happily, or ask me specific questions or tell me specific concerns that you would want me to address with regard to that employment and I will happily try to talk about them as best I can. Um, and so that was the, probably the first thing that um, I, was, I was going to talk about. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention... Oh, right, no, this is related to this to this job. Um, so, oh yeah, I'm so all over the place. Okay, so no, we never talked about each other's private lives or anything like that. And I knew nothing about these guys, you know. I just was kind of like the new girl and I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm sure it was frustrating for them because the previous person who looked after the cattery was actually a qualified vet nurse. 
so I, I don't know anything about them, and, and we never talked about each other. They didn't even ask me. You know, we just we just did not have that kind of relationship. I just went in the morning, we cleaned, we talked about the cats, we talked about this or that, because we don't really know each other, and and they have, like I say, so I never told them I was vegan. They didn't know I was vegan, and never. Do you know what I mean? And so there you go. I mean, I'm I'm honest. I we need to do this more often. I just, I mean, I could have gone in there and said, hey, by the way, you guys, I'm vegan. But I thought the time will, there will be a time where I can, where I can do it, and I want to do it right, because veganism is so maligned. Oh my gosh, there's just so much to talk about. My goodness me, I can't wait till I finish school and I can start podcasting again more regularly. Anyway, so luckily, and I told William, I was like, I still, William, I haven't told him that I'm vegan. And he's like, what? How? How could you not? And I was like, I just haven't. You know, I, we have never even talked about anything like that. The closest I came was the other day when, because um, I was looking after, because I've been looking after Jebby, and in the beginning she had to get food every hour. Can you imagine? My hat is, goes off to all mothers. Hats off to all the mothers of the world, all species. Hats off to you. So no sleep. So I was totally exhausted. So in the morning they're like, oh, do you want a coffee? And I was like, yeah, soy soy latte. And then coincidentally enough, the next day, and that was it, I mean, I didn't say soy latte because I'm vegan, you know, which I could have and probably should have. However, I just, I didn't because I go on instinct. But anyway, so then turns out that they have a website, this wonderful vet where I work, it's a great place, and um, they have a website and everybody has a profile with a photo and a blurb about themselves. And because I got the kitten and they've asked me to take her and I've looked after her, they, one of the vets um, came up with the idea. I was like, well, why don't we put you on the website? You know, you work here now because I'm, I'm actually a permanent employee of the place. I'm the cattery, you know, person who cleans the cattery. And they were like, we need you on the website. You know, we need a little photo of you and, and we'll take a photo of you with the cat. And you can talk about, you can talk about Jebby and you can say how you've adopted her and you've, you're trying to raise her and, and you can tell us a little about yourself and we'll put you on the website. I thought, aha, this is my opportunity. And you know, I really had high hopes and I did sort of dis- disillusion myself that this would actually be published. So I just want to read what I wrote, okay, because this was the, I sent an email to them very casually and I was like, oh, hey guys, you know, here's my blurb. And this was my blurb, okay, ready? I love working in the cattery here at Vet Care Grey Lynn. I have a deep respect and admiration for all animals, and I find being in their company and in their service to be humbling and rewarding. I am vegan because I believe all animals are members of the moral community, and I reject violence against them by not using any animal products. I consider all animals to be non-human persons, and I enjoy the company of every single feline visitor that I am lucky enough to care for during their stay in the cattery. Along with my cat Buddha, whom I brought over with me from New York City, I have a recent addition to my non-human family, a newborn kitten who was found by the side of the road and kindly rescued by a compassionate jogger. At the time of this writing, she is now six days old. I look forward to every day with her, and I thank everyone at VetCare for their help and support and advice on her care. Working in the cattery is a good experience for me because my absolute dream is to one day have an animal sanctuary. But even if that doesn't come to fruition, I want to be in a position to rescue as many animals as I can in my own life. So I welcome this opportunity to work with such a knowledgeable and kind-hearted team of people and in such a fantastic facility as Vet Care Greyland. That was from the heart. Everything in there is from the heart, but the most important things I wanted was to make an abolitionist statement. And I had a little feeling. I thought, you know, Elizabeth, this is this is where it comes. This is when it all happens. You you know, so I wrote this email to them, and I was like, bam. You know, so I think that that was a good way to get it out there rather than just say, I'm vegan, when I got the soy latte, and then they could say, oh, or whatever. This was like... You know, this is like, I believe animals are members of the moral community and I reject violence against them by not using animal products. And I thought to myself, let's see what happens. Now, typical New Zealand, they didn't say a word. Nobody said a word. The next day I went in, nobody said anything. I didn't say anything either. (laughs) So there you go, okay? I just went into work and I'd I'd had like, she was six days old at that point, so I'd had like, oh my gosh, I can't even explain what it's like to be mother to a newborn Anything. I mean, the only people who know are mothers, and I love them for it, because, wow, 
wow. Anyway, so I went into work, nobody said anything, and I thought to myself, okay, something's there, I was like, I wonder if they're going to run that, I wonder if they're going to run it, and um, I, I sort of had a sinking feeling, and I thought, you know, they're not even going to talk about it, and they're not even going to run it. One of the good things that happened was that day that I went in, um, one of the nurses who was really, really accomplished, um, vet nurse, came down, and there was, uh, I was doing my job, and then there was somebody else, uh, somebody came down to have a look at the cattery, because they were thinking about dropping off their cat there, and, and the person I worked with was like, oh, you know, look at all these little people, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if she's sort of inadvertently referencing my non-human persons thing, um, because as we know, it doesn't mean people as in humans, but I kind of was like, yeah, um, all the little persons, you know. Um, so I wasn't really sure what people would think. I thought, well, they're either going to think I'm crazy and like, oh my God, we hired this nut job or they're just going to feel very uncomfortable because they don't, you know, I think that statement that we reject violence against animals by not using animal products. I think there's a very effective thing to do, people. I recommend that angle. I do recommend it. I use it on my street stall all the time. So nobody said anything, and then I kind of got a sinking feeling, and actually in the bottom of my heart, and I thought, you know what, they're going to edit it, and they did, I was very sad, yesterday, oh, they said, oh, we've, we, we've put your profile up, but it's part of the newsletter, and then we've just had put a link to the newsletter so that it'll just click, and it'll lead to, uh, it'll lead to your profile. So everything's completely changed. I don't have my photo. I don't. I haven't seen the newsletter, so maybe it's only in the newsletter that they're going to do it. I'm not going to be a permanent part of the website. So the only thing I can find is like Elizabeth Collins continued. Um, so I'm guessing that they introduced me in the newsletter, which I don't know because I don't have it. And then you click on a link, and then it leads you to this, and it's like Elizabeth Collins continued on unless like about us page. And there's not even a photo of me. There's just a photo of, of the kit of of Jebby in my hands. She's so beautiful. So there's no photo of me, and it just says, "I'll tell you what they did," and I haven't said anything to them because I'm still not as outspoken as I'd like to be. So rather than what they said was, "I have a deep respect and admiration for all animals, and I find being in their company very rewarding." And what I had originally said was, and I find being in their company and in their service to be humbling and rewarding. Obviously, only crazy people are in the service of, of, of animals, right? I'm just kidding. I don't want to be, I don't want to be hateful. I, and I, you know, I'm very grateful to everybody that I work with for, for, you know, all they've done for me and all that, but I was sad. So they, they did that. They edited that. And that's fine. Maybe they, maybe it is a little too strong. I'm so used to being around animal advocates now that I've almost forgotten what it's like to, um, already, and I keep telling myself I shouldn't, I've almost forgotten what it's like to, like, not talk this way, <laughs> like, to not say non-human animal, to not say person, uh, I've, I'm losing my speciesist talk, but it's almost like you still got to keep in touch with it, because you need to realize when you sound crazy, oh, gosh, I don't know, I don't think it's crazy sounding, I don't think it's crazy sounding. anyway, this is the only thing they said, I am a vegan and use no animal-based products, that was it, that was it, that's all I got, and then they talk, and then they left the rest of it. And I enjoy the company of every single feline visitor. Oh, and the and one thing they did with my animal sanctuary bit, which is such a part. I mean, I'm never going to have an animal sanctuary, you know. I'm just not. But it's a lovely dream, isn't it? But I said, even if it doesn't come to fruition, I feel privileged to be able to help as many animals as, as I can in my own life. That's what they did. But I had originally said, I want to be in a position to rescue as many animals as I can in my own life rescue, I said rescue, I didn't say help, that's okay, that's alright, I don't, I mean that bit, I'm not really that worried, but I was very sad to see that they didn't even put that, you know, I, oh, I guess it was too much to expect, but anyway, now they know who I am, and if I continue, you know, to work there for a long time, which I hope, maybe we will start to talk about these things, I don't know, um, there's so many people who are willing to talk about it, like so many people who come up to the stall, well not so many, I wish more did, but there are people who are, that I concentrate on them, um, if somebody doesn't not want to talk about this, you can't make them, whether you like it or not.
and there are so many people who do so let's get those people first and then all the other people aren't going to have any choice because everybody's going to be talking about it but right now you can't force people to you know we are not in a position of any power at all we're just not in terms of like influence okay when I say power maybe the wrong, was the wrong word so you know I, I, I let these I let them know they read it everybody read it because I sent it to the group email Everybody had their own thoughts about it. I don't know whether anybody even talked about it at all or anything. But it's very clear now who I am. That's the most important thing about me. Now, the fact that they decided to edit that out is very telling. Not very surprising. Very telling. I was very sad. I was very, very sad. Um, and I think that they have changed their opinion of me. Hopefully they will keep a good opinion of me. But either way, I've put it out there. And we'll see what happens. But, you know, um, yeah, that was that. So that's my job. So anyway, I hope that I haven't babbled too much. There is something else I wanted to talk about today. And that is abortion. Because I was listening to the, um, <laughs> you know, Gary Francis. Um, there was a debate that he did with Wesley, Wesley Smith, I think the guy's name is, who wrote the book about, I should get my facts straight. Hang on a second. I'm so bad. See, I have, you know. I do I do things my way, and this is the way that I do them. So I, let me say abolitionistapproach.com. Unfortunately, I'm one of those people who like only people that I really sort of are interested in will their names stick in my head, <laughs> and then other people who I don't really their names don't stick in my head. Okay, so the call in was Michael Medved. Radio program was was the guy Michael Medved. and Wesley J Smith is the person who who was on the pro-animal use side. Michael Medved was a non, you know, was an extremely biased um, uh, moderator. It's his show, and he's on animal use side. And uh, Gary Francian obviously was on animal rights. And so the, the book is called A Rat is a Pig is a Dog is a Boy, The Human Cost of the Animal Rights Movement. The, ba- the debate was very frustrating for um, I found it was very frustrating, and my heart went out to Gary to be in this debate with these unbelievably unapologetic species. It's almost impossible to sort of, you know, when when somebody, like, it's what he, like what he says in the introduction to animal rights. I mean, somebody outright come out and says we're better than animals. I believe that we're better because I say we're better, and that's just the way it is. It's like the Nazis saying we're better than all these other people. It's like white supremacists saying we're better than you know non-white people I mean it's just you know there's no you can't pr- like he says in the introduction that I mentioned last time well what are you you know what are you gonna do but I will say that at the end you know no matter who you were listening to that to that debate where these two outright speciesists <laughs> were like saying you know I'm speciesist and that's and that means I'm right basically um listen to you know the the ending was very telling because um Michael Medved did try to be, in a way, he tried to be the devil's advocate for both sides, you know, he'd say, hey, you know, Wesley, there are Gary's giving you a challenge, and then he'd say, hey, you know, but then he'd jump all over on Wesley's challenge, Wesley's giving you a challenge, are you you seriously saying that it's, how dare you compare, and he'd like lumped Gary in with Peter and all these people, but anyway, listen to the very end where Michael Medved says, okay, you know, you have one minute. Why is it better for it to us to have you know animal rights and abolish domestication? And Gary said his wonderful piece. Just listen to what he said. And then he gave Wesley the chance. And Wesley, it was just that was it. I mean, it was just like it was pathetic. You know, the arguments right there. No matter what happened during the debate, that was the ending. Was just says it all. To so even even somebody who's like completely biased listening to that, it's like uh, yeah, Wesley J. Smith was just so illogical and unreasonable because animal use is just illogical and unreasonable and there's no justification for it and it all showed up it all came it all came out of course so i commend gary for 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 doing that and then i'll just announce this theme as well because what happened is there's actually a post here on abolitionist approach and i will post this link medved has decided to have smith and gary back on in a live call-in and that will be monday may the 3rd 2010 from 4 p.m to 5 p.m now i'm assuming this eastern standard time we need to double check uh, Michael Medved, we need to go to his radio program. So, um, you know, get, get, Gary is putting himself sort of in, in, in these people's, um, you know, um, he's totally and utterly um, uh, 
uh, outnumber, you know, outnumber, like I say, it's like, it's like, it would be like, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he's the, the civil rights person in the, in the white supremacist, you know, radio show. I mean, for real, I mean, look, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, speciesism is, is you got to call it what it is. And you know, these people are blatantly speciesist as most, most people are, but just not quite as blatantly. Well, some people are, and some people aren't. A lot of people try to pretend they're not, but these guys don't even care. They don't even pretend. So um, it's Monday. Okay, so 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. So that's Eastern Standard Time in the United States. So just do a Google search for the time. And if you can do it, get on Skype and just, let's just, let's just, you know, help Gary out. Because um, I, I wouldn't know if I'd be able to do it. So he's a conservative um, and uh, most of the calls will be conservative and most will side with Wesley Smith and Gary says that that's fine but perhaps some balance would be a good idea so please call in and ask Smith any questions you might have so basically what's happening is Medved is going to have Gary and uh, Wesley Smith back on and they are going to be taking calls and challenging their positions so Gary's going to be inundated with calls by Christians and um, hunters and or all these people. We need to inundate Smith with intelligent questions that he can't answer because his position is not defensible, as we know. Uh, so uh, please, please, let's try to help Gary out there. Now, the, what I want to end my podcast with is something that they did. One of the best, one of the really most useful things that I've learned, I, I learned so much from listening to other advocates, but one of the really good things I learned from listening from, from Gary Francione amongst the millions of things I've learned from him is when people talk about abortion, he says it's an incredibly unique situation. You have one, if the fetus is sentient, you have one rights holder, if the fetus is sentient, living inside the body of another rights holder that is not replicated anywhere else anywhere else and that is just so true and it's so wonderful and my my position that I took after learning that wonderful uh, you know learning how to think about it that way because I was floundering right is that um, whether you know the abortion question is irrelevant irrelevant because it is nothing to do with what we're talking about it really doesn't I'm sorry it really really doesn't you can be pro-life and that means you're siding, first of all, that you're giving the fetus sentience, which I don't think that fetuses have sentience um, in the first few weeks of, of their lives. Um, I'm not a scientist. I don't know enough about the, um, you know, but apparently after a few certain months of um, existence in the womb, they do, right? I mean, I don't know, but the bottom line is, look, whether you support pro-life, which means you are on the side of the f- sentient life that's inside the body of the other or whether you're pro-choice which means you're on the side of the sentient person that has the other sentient body inside them it's a unique situation it has nothing to do with what we talked about when we talked about animal rights so i can say to people um it really doesn't matter what my position on abortion is it really doesn't matter to me what your position on abortion is i mean we can have a really detailed debate about abortion and about why i mean i am myself i am pro-choice but um, that's irrelevant to animal rights because this is a situation, as Gary Francione has said, and as he did say on the show, which they completely overlooked, of course, um, it's totally unique and therefore totally irrelevant. It's, it's irrelevant. It's as irrelevant as these emergency situations where it's like if I was in a burning house and there was like a dog and a person, you know, it's like, so what? You know, what does that really mean? And, and you know, as another thing I learned from Gary Francione in the, in the um, video that he has the wonderful video introduction to animal rights, you know, if there's an old person and a young person and you save the young person, what the hell does that mean? It means nothing. It means nothing. So whether you're pro-choice or whether you're pro-life, it means nothing when you talk about animal rights, okay? So go talk about this somewhere else, please. Go talk about this somewhere else because we're talking about the unnecessary unnecessary use and slaughter of sentient beings that are not living inside our bodies or anybody else's bodies. They're outside. They've been born. They're born. They're not fetuses. They're alive. They're, you know, breathing the air, independent, autonomous, physical sentient beings, and we're slaughtering them unnecessarily. So whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, that's a whole nother debate because it's a unique situation that is not replicated. So it's irrelevant to me with regards to animal rights, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life. I think it's ironic that a lot of the pro-lifers are avid hunters and, you know, avid animal users, you know, you know, 
killers and eaters of uh, wearers of animals, you know, well, as most of society is, but they're avid about it, you know, they poo-poo animal rights as like they're being lesser beings and stuff. The pro-choice, the pro-choice people seem to me to be, you know, slightly more open-minded when it comes to live and let live, isn't it ironic? But all that aside, it's irrelevant. So I'm really glad that I learned that, um, are, that I learned that concept that it's just so unique. I mean, it's not replicated in, you know, it's not replicated because you see people will go down so many tangents. They will talk about anything they can possibly think of. Hypotheticals, man. Hypotheticals up the yin yang. That's what people will do. And that's what they did in the debate. And that's what people calling when they call in on Monday, May the 3rd, 2010, they will be calling in with so many hypotheticals. And let's help keep the issue clear. Because, like I say, you know, if you're pro-choice, then whatever. If you're pro-life, then whatever. But that's got nothing to do with whether or not we should be using non-humans as our renewable resources. It's just not related it's not it really really isn't because it doesn't it's not a replication of the you know of the um situation um i think that a valid um debate in uh, within animal rights is sterilization and methods of sterilization because as roger uh and i were supposed to be talking about you know um we're very invasive. I mean, it is a rights violation to operate on, you know, a non-human unconsentingly. And every single time we operate on a non-human animal, it's pretty much unconsenting, right? Um, but, you know, this is the horrific dilemma that we've done. This is our, you know, so we're we're in these terrible positions to, you know, when, when Jebby is, is old enough, I'm not going to allow her to breed. breed. You know, I am the owner of her body. I don't want to be the owner of anybody's body. I don't want to be. I'm not going to allow her to die. I wasn't going to say, no, I'm not going to take her, or no, just kill her. But I'm in a position I don't want to be in anymore. We shouldn't be in this position. But I I take the responsibility of her life seriously, and I will do anything I can to give her life, to protect her this tiny, tiny, tiny little helpless little kitten who's looking just unbelievably adorable. You know, I mean, where's her mother, you know? I'm, I'm feeding her with a syringe, a plastic syringe. You know, she should be with her mother, you know, and she's not. Now, like I say, we don't know if a human threw her away or if the mother, you know, abandoned her from getting a fright, but she was found by the side of the road. And, um... Because, um, you know, we have these inhospitable to animals existence. I mean, our, our, you know, the, the only animals that kind of thrive in our environments are, you know, rats and cockroaches and things like that. And also wild birds in New Zealand. As long as there's enough trees, you know, there are wild birds everywhere. And we're so lucky that there are these birds. Because, you know, people forget, like, everybody, like, says we love animals. We're going to miss them. Like, oh, how could you not want to have animals around? Well, look, I mean... If we live in a world where there's no domestication, doesn't mean we're not going to get to see and enjoy the beauty of, of wildlife. I mean, there are certain animals that we shouldn't be anywhere near. But, you know, we're always going to have birds around. I mean, birds are incredible. And they they can thrive in our cities. They can live off breadcrumbs. And they, you know, unfortunately, pigeons get annihilated and things like that. And that, that needs to stop as well. Rats and pigeons and cockroaches, I really think we should just leave them alone. I mean, what harm are they possibly doing? I mean, mostly what they're doing is cleaning up our garbage. I mean, if we would just leave them alone, they'd probably take care of a lot of waste disposal. I reckon. I mean, I don't know. This is like, these are so many dilemmas and problems that we just have to, you know, that we just have to figure out. But, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be responsible for, for Jerry and Buddha, but I am. And if I had the choice, I would take care of as many animals as I possibly could. And it's a terrible uh, situation to be in. And like, but, you know, <laughs> but we owe it to them to, to take care of them. It's our responsibility. Every single one of us. And we owe it to them to take care of them. And, you know, it's not the same as welfare reform, which is um, selling the idea 
that the animals that we're going to eat or that we're going to slaughter can be treated humanely in the process of being exploited for food and slaughter. Okay, um, pet animals, uh, dogs and cats and other pet animals in New Zealand are not uh, eaten. Uh, well, I lie. There was a dog that was eaten in New Zealand and it was completely legal because he killed the dog humanely. But the bottom line is the majority of us don't view our pets as food. They are quote-unquote members of the family, except for when we want to go on holiday and then we just dump them off um, because they can't look after themselves. You know, it's not like your teenage kids. I mean, it's like, like little small children. You can't just leave them alone, right? But you're allowed to take them with you. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars to a pet shipping agency, get them inoculated and, and, and whatever else, and then shoved in a cargo in the bottom of the plane because they're not allowed to ride with other passengers and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, you take your kids with you, and the hotels allow kids, and, you know, I mean, kids are allowed everywhere because they're humans. It's the human world that we live in. Cats and dogs are not that, you know, privileged. I mean, they're, they're definitely cargo. You know, they're baggage, you know, so... Um, that's why we have the cattery, um, and you know when I when I go in there and they're all miserable and they're totally hating it, I like I go I do my best and I try to do everything I can to sort of help them to cope. But I also remind them, <laughs> even though they probably can't understand me, <laughs> you are all going to a home. You're going home. You have a home. Um, if it was the SPCA, many many of them would be on death row and would have no home. And many of them would have been neglected and abused and things like that. So, the, so these are the lucky ones, you know. And they're still treated like baggage. Um, but I couldn't say that at my job. Uh, you know, we'll see how the relationship develops now that I've put my position out there. That um, I reject violence. And that means being vegan. And um, we'll see. I'm trying to live by example. And... I do want to talk about these things, but there are so many people who you can talk about. Go online and talk to people who are talking about it, and let's talk with them. And and I always, like, I don't know what my problem is at my job. Nobody said anything to me about my blurb since I sent it to them, except for uh, one of the, the person who asked me to do it in the first place was like, oh, by the way, we we put your blurb on there well we just linked to it from the newsletter and she said um we fleshed it out a little we we, we changed it a little bit we fleshed it out and I thought to myself you changed it you did you changed it didn't you and um you know maybe I'll I'll get with her just her because maybe she's the only one who did it and I'll say you know I was kind of disappointed that you took off um the fact that I'm vegan because I reject violence. I think that that's probably the most important thing that anybody should know about me. Um, so I'm just disappointed that you took that off. Um, because you see, none of them are vegan. So they will um, consume animal products. And all of their clients do as well, you see. And um, another thing about my job, a lot of the animals are purebreds. They're bought from breeders they're not rescued which is another reason why I put rescued in there I want to rescue as many animals as I can because um, yeah okay so I think that's everything today there's so much to talk about I really want to talk about Milen Wallet's blog where she's finding these um, examples of misrepresentation of veganism in the media I think she's doing a wonderful job so important to do that stuff but if I start to talk about that now I'll talk for another hour and I've already talked for almost an hour so I'll let it go that's another topic that I really want to cover I mean her blog is my face is on fire it's fantastic but there's a lot of times what she's been doing a lot of times is focusing on specific misrepresentations of veganism in the media and they're over there's an overwhelming amount of them and she's doing such a great job and I think it's so important that she do that a lot of people misunderstand our work this is important work defending veganism as a concept and promoting animal rights and talking about veganism whether you're talking to other animal advocates about why they should not promote welfare and why they should help us promote veganism or whether you're talking about the, to the general public and correcting the misrepresentations of veganism that's very important work for animals it is okay everybody please can you just kinda 
open your eyes and ears just a little bit. You know, think for yourselves. You know? What do your instincts tell you? That's what you should be thinking about. And read Rain Without Thunder as well. And the new book, which, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get to read that because I'll have to buy it, but definitely read Rain Without Thunder. You know, I've, I'm really hoping that there's, I have somebody here who works for SAFE who said they were going to read it. We'll see. I mean, I, you know, people can read things with it with an attitude in their head. And hey, maybe somebody can read Rain Without Thunder and get completely, you know, who knows? I mean, everybody's different. It all depends. It's all very subjective sometimes. But just, you know, when we're, when we are exposing misrepresentations of veganism, when we are exposing the ineffectiveness of welfare reform and the speciesism of promoting welfare reform, and when we are constantly promoting animal rights and veganism, that's good work. That's the work we should all be doing. So please don't misunderstand it, you know. I really wish that um, more people would hurry up and get on board because, hey, I'm going to be honest, we need help. We need more people. Quick. So wake up. Okay? We need more people doing this. You know, it'll make it easier for me because, like I say, I constantly am trying to positively reinforce and say things that are really challenging, like we need to talk about veganism every opportunity and we need to morally tell people they have a moral obligation not to use animals. I'm morally obligated to tell them that. I don't do it as much as I, as I, as I should. Um, all of the things that I've been doing since I've woken up to this animal rights is completely against my nature. You know, I never wanted to be in the public eye in any way. When I was into music, I wanted to be behind the scenes. You know, I was a sound engineer. I wasn't the one on the stage. So it's hard for, for me to do this. And I do it because it's the right, you know, we, we you know, I'm not trying to blow my own horn here. I mean, this is what I want to do. It's not like anybody's forcing me to do it. But it's not, it's not, you know, it's an effort. So the more people who do it, the easier it'll be for, for me. And think about it, the more people we have promoting veganism, how can that possibly not be good for animals, you know? So, you know, we, we're, the, we're the pioneers, right? The abolitionist movement. The more people who join us, it'll make it easier for people who are maybe not quite as outspoken, you know, it'll make it easier for us to speak about it more and more and more. And it'll make it easier for everybody, you know, all these people who say, oh, it's hard to talk about veganism, it's because nobody's got the guts to talk about it. You know, the more people who talk about it, the easier it'll be for all of us to talk about. We've got to hurry up. You know, I'm, I'm starting to get really urgent because um, it was just so urgent. But, okay, I'll calm down because, you know, we've got all these wonderful people and, and we're all doing as best, the best that we can. Oh, in fact, that was another thing to talk about. It's like, are we obligated to... Um, gosh, there's so much to talk about. I'm going to post the links to... Gary Franzone did a Twitter about whether we're obligated to promote veganism. Um, Dave Langlois also tweeted about it. Very astute. Very, very insightful. Very helpful, you know. We're not always in full agreement. I mean, I, I think that they're right. I mean, you can't, you know... I've, I've already told people, like, look, you know, if you're vegan and you just are, do not feel comfortable talking about it, you know, I'm not going to jump down your throat about that or, say, or, or, or harangue you about that. I mean, I try to encourage people to please talk about it, but if, you know, I'm not going to, or I'm, I'm not going to sort of, like, go after vegans who are not outspoken because they are already fulfilling their moral, moral obligation to non-human animals. They're already fulfilling their moral obligation to all of us because we owe it to all of us, you know. And another thing I recommend is, like, you know what, it's my, it's our planet too, you know. It's our fresh air and our water, it's our children, you know, if you're, if you're vegan and you have children, that, you know, it's their, you know, it's your children's future too. So we have a right, you know, we have a right to defend ourselves as well. Because it's my, you know, it's my planet too. And, you know, you're polluting my planet. This, this, I live here too, you know. So it's like, we all need to be a big community. That, that's what it's all about. So it's like, if I go to your town and I start throwing my garbage everywhere, you're going to object. Well, if you're consuming animal products, you're polluting my space. 
in the animal space and you know we have every right to um to to um protest that as well but you know obviously that's not the focus the focus is um the focus is moral uh the morality of it but if we destroy the planet then we're killing you know it's it's in, it's equally unjust to all of their life on it all the sentient beings on it it's is as immoral you know destroying their habitat and just and poisoning them is as immoral as directly killing them so it, it is it is relevant morally but of course you know as we know there's all these cheats that you can get around and there's all these sort of little cheats that you can do with our environmental things so that's not the focus but you know we have a right to speak out and we have a right to defend the you know have a right to defend the animals because they can't defend themselves so just like we defend small children from abuse, where we speak out in their rights, we all are united in saying that it's wrong to abuse little children because they can't, you know, help themselves. And even people who can supposedly help themselves, like adult people, we speak out for them too, you know. So we have a right to speak out. But there's all these debates going on about whether we're morally obligated to every opportunity, you know, to talk about it. And Milan wrote a really good blog, and then there's all these responses. So there's constant debate going on. Because all these things are, you know, we're sort of new, like, we're just meeting each other too. Like, I only known everybody for like a year, so we're still learning about each other and the way minds work. And, you know, we don't agree on everything. But what we do agree on is that abolition is the way to go. And we shouldn't be using animals, and we need to stop. And if we talk about the issue, that's what we should talk about. If you're not comfortable talking about it to people, then um, I'm not going to harangue you. But if you talk to people about welfare and try to get them to be buy happy meat I will get on your case because that is a direct sort of I I just I think that, that hurts animals and anything that I, that I think hurts animals I'm outspoken about even me even you know against all my nature and, and all my preferences I mean my preference is to be chilling out and not be getting political and you know taking it easy and taking the easy way out but you know what that's really um it's not acceptable to me. Um, obviously, that's not my preference because my preference is to speak out for animals. But you know what I'm saying. It's it's um it is a challenge. But um, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. And if you're if you're not comfortable doing it, then just you know don't take the easy way out by promoting you know by telling people to eat happy meat. That's not fair. Okay. If you're gonna talk about it, talk about the right thing. And then, even if you're not one of those outspoken people, people are going to ask you about your veganism. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm vegan because I reject violence and because I care about animals and I respect them. And that's it. And if they and if they say, oh, well, da-da-da-da, and they get all defensive, and you say, look, you know what, I really don't want to debate you on this. I would rather not talk to with, with you about this. You know, I'm vegan. That's the way it is. I'd really rather not get into this discussion. Then I, you know... Like I say, you've already fulfilled your moral obligation to animals by, you know, by, to everybody by being vegan. But please don't turn around and back down or say, okay, it's a personal choice or it's a preference or anything like that. You know, you can still be strong and you can still stand up for what's right. If you want to avoid conflict and arguments, you can just say to somebody, I'm not interested in arguing with you about this. Can we please talk about something else? But don't feel bullied into saying, oh, you know, it's just a personal choice or whatever. That doesn't help. So I, I do beg anybody who is uncomfortable with, you know, if you if you can't talk about abolition, then please don't talk at all. <laughs> That's what I would say. Just say, I'm vegan because I care about animals. Let's talk about something else. Okay, because talking about welfare and happy meat hurts animals. Okay, it really, really does. It really, really does, doesn't it, Jebby? Alright everybody, thanks for listening and um, you know, keep up all the good work and there's just so much to talk about. Um, I'm going to post a link to those debates about uh, whether or not, you know, where there's all kinds of discussion going on about, you know, about so many different things. So just, if you're interested, you know, it's all out there. The information is out there for everybody to read and make up their own mind. Um, and I really hope that's what more people do because I find that um, reasonable and sensible sensibleness prevails in the end. So let's see how many sensible people there are. I think there are more than we think. They just haven't actually had the chance to read anything <laughs> yet. Alright, so anyway, um, I'll be back. Um, I don't know when. Uh, just this semester is kind of crazy, so I'll be back whenever I can. And um, please, let's try to support Gary Francione in his debate with um, these people 
and I commend him for <laughs> for uh, going on these on these shows. And I'm glad that he's he's getting exposure um, on the uh, you know more more wide mainstream exposure. And one day I hope to see him on the Ellen Show and the um, Colbert Rapport and Larry King and all these places. You know, uh, that's what needs to happen. Okay, um, I'll be back. Bye.